listening to God is Faithful, a message from Pastor Azalini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. You turn with me in the word of the Lord to Psalms chapter 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37 and verse 25. I have been young. I thought somebody might say amen to that. And now am old. Nobody wants to say amen to that. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know, I wanted to title this message today many different things. But I'm going to keep it real basic because this is exactly the title God put in my spirit on Monday of this week. God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. And with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you about the faithfulness of God today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Oh, we're so thankful for your manifest presence in this room right now. God, thankful for the moving of your spirit in this place, for this atmosphere of faith, God, that we have stepped into today. God, we know you have only just begun what you are wanting to accomplish before we leave here today. God, let us stay in the flow of your spirit and may your agenda materialize in this place today in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Come on, give it to him like it's the best one you're going to give him all day. Give it to him like he's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. God is. I'll do it again. God is. So good. Amen. God is faithful. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I want to talk about that word there for just a few minutes, forsake. That word forsake means to leave behind, to neglect, to abandon. I'll never remember, or no, I do remember. I'll never forget. (laughs) I'll never forget uh, my dad. He lives in Brazil, and he was he was visiting us one year, and he was staying with us, and we were all meeting at Bob Evans, and my my wife and, and a couple of my kids were there, and my dad was there, and I was meeting them at Bob Evans, and I had one of the children with me, and they fell asleep in the back seat of the car, and I got to Bob Evans, and. I got out of the car and went inside and sat down, and everyone is just looking at me, and I'm like, what? And Jennifer looks at me, and she said, did you forget something? And I'm like, I was like, what? She's like, we're missing somebody. I was like, oh, my God, have mercy. I don't remember which one it was, but I left one of them in the car, asleep in the back seat. I forsook Hudson. Hallelujah. I left him behind. Amen. I abandoned him in the car. 
It is estimated that in the United States, more than 7,000 children are abandoned each year. Approximately 60,000 children are reported to be abused or neglected each week in America. 45.6% of children who die from abuse are less than one year old. Those that survive are left to deal with trauma for a lifetime and many become abusers themselves. It is suggested some of the primary causes of child abandonment or abuse are poverty, being a single parent, depression, mental illness, lack of training, or the child having needs that the parent feels they cannot meet. The inability to deal with the struggle and the challenges of raising and providing for a child cause unprepared, often emotionally immature adults to neglect, lash out, and abandon their children. Intentionally and systematically dismantling the family, making war against the home, assaulting marriage, and disenfranchising children from the healthy structure God intended for their lives has produced the objective that our adversary desired. We have an epidemic of the forsaken. Minors have become the prey of a godless society. Children are being forsaken, left to deal with the indoctrination of a corrupt education system, brainwashed by the saturation of evil media, deceived by the delusions of higher learning, intimidated and persuaded by the force of corporation, and legislated into vulnerability by a government that has abandoned the God on which it was founded. We have an epidemic of the forsaken. Not only children, but now also adults and even elders who are the evidence that decades ago our society rejected truth and traded it for the trappings of distraction. Our elders are shoved into dark corners of our society to be forgotten behind the veil of good marketing, beautiful landscaping, a pretty building, and the illusion of honorable care by people who are unrelated and have no relationship with them. Parents are pushed into a cycle where the pressure of finance, the temptations of worldliness, the draw of vanity and the illusion of happiness rob from them which should be the most critical years of family life and training with their children. Adults are convinced to chase a dream that is always just out of reach and never quite delivers the happiness that it promises, while the greatest treasures they possess starve for their attention. Teenagers are persuaded to forge surrogate families and friendships with peers that have been raised by the voices vain imagery and influence of our world. They are continually and intentionally persuaded that their parents are against them, that morality is an ancient, outdated social construct. They are made to believe that their new guardians are teachers, guidance counselors, and mental health professionals. These have become substitutes for the voice of the parent. Their new siblings and confidants are Hormonal, emotionally charged, unstable, sexually confused, and completely unrestrained adolescents with similar sinful proclivities. And children, as early as possible, are taught 
led, conditioned to nurture their infantile emotional behaviors. They are convinced that any authority that would presume to alter or in any way restrain their impulses are abusers and not to be trusted. They are exposed to doctrines of devils, as the Bible puts it, as early as preschool while perverts, prostitutes, and pedophiles are now given access to the most vulnerable of our society. We have an epidemic of the forsaken in our world right now. But how? How can this happen? It happens when those that are called to protect, provide, train, nurture, and guide are convinced into leaving the vulnerable in the care of those that are more equipped than you are. It does not take a village. It takes a family. It does not take a village, but it does take a church. It takes the family of God to keep us from being a statistic of the forsaken. That's why we have Family Sunday. Because we don't want the church to become a statistic of the forsaken. Because it takes all of us together, connected in unity, in relationship, in the faith, to make it to the other side together. Parents, there is no one more qualified to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord than you. Equip yourself. Put in the time that is necessary. And using a Bible word, bring. Bring them up. Don't let them haphazardly grow older, but Bring them up. Show them the way. Lead them in paths of righteousness. Teach them the word when they rise up and when they lay down. Show them how to have a relationship with God. Hallelujah. Moms and dads, your preteen, pubescent, hormonal, often disagreeable teenager need you more than they need their friends, their school, or their teachers. They need you to train them up. I heard Brother Bounds say one time, he said people often misquote that verse. They say, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We raise chickens we don't raise kids. We train our children. Hallelujah. My wife and I were youth pastors for 10 years. And I watched a couple weeks ago as a young man in our youth group that I love, that we reach for, was arrested. He made almost national news, I think it was, for, for something that happened in a very public place. And he was arrested and thrown into jail. 
and I heard it said, how did this happen to him? We raised him in church. Let me quote another great preacher, Brother Harpole. You don't raise your kids in church. You raise them at home. And however you train them up is how they will be. These kids sitting right here, they're not going to be saved because they're exposed to apostolic teaching for two hours on a Sunday and one hour on a Wednesday. If they're going to make it to heaven, it's going to be because you trained them at home. It's because you decided to have a God environment in your house to teach them in the way parents it's on you and church it's on you when you see a need you need to fill that need I'll never forget a man by the name of Gary Prophet I was raised here in the United States and and my father lived in Brazil and a man in our church growing up he would take me and my brother out every couple weeks he showed us how to throw the baseball how to go fishing how to do guy stuff because he saw you know what they don't have a man in their life he said I need to show them how to eat pizza and stay up late and just do guy stuff and you know what I appreciate it till the day I die because he said hey there's a boy without a father I can be a father to the fatherless church these kids need you church these teens they need you church your brother and your sister they need you hallelujah when I neglect to train up my children my teenagers and even my young adults I am forsaking them. When I neglect to teach, instruct, and lead my teenagers in the things of God, I am forsaking them. Your kids will not learn through osmosis. That's been disproven by Generation X. We lost more teenagers from the church in Generation X than almost any other generation before us because we thought, hey, they'll get it just because we have it. They won't serve the Lord just because you do. You must be intentional about training your children. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. Adults, we must honor our elders. Our moms and dads that came before us, our spiritual mothers and fathers that gave us life, that provided a way that we walk in now, we must honor them. Listen, your parents may not have done everything right, But you hear me, adults. Our kids will treat us the way we treat our parents. We must honor our parents. We must honor our elders. Hallelujah. Honor is not given conditionally. It is given by the word of God positionally. Because they hold the position, they get the honor. Hallelujah. It's in this book. It's in this book. We give honor because of who they are, not because they did everything right. 
we must honor them. Let us not forsake a generation that paved the way. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking. Everybody say not forsaking. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. Let us hold fast the profession. What does that mean? That means we've got to live what we say we believe. We've got to live it out without wavering. If you say you are the church, then be the church. Without wavering. Let us consider one another. Guess what? I don't just show up here for me, but I show up for you, Luke. I show up because I think, hey, Luke might need me today. I show up for you, Brother Tyler, because I think today might be the day that Tyler comes down here and is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I show up for you, Brother Hammond, because I think today might be the day that God gives Brother Hammond the miracle that he needs. I show up for you, Brother Carlos, because I believe Believe in what God is doing in your life, considering those that you are near. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Provoke unto love and to good works. Woo. Hallelujah. What does that mean? That means my presence is going to provoke you to do something. Woo. That means you are going to respond as a result of my presence here so what else does that mean that means when you are absent somebody's response is hindered when I make a choice not to come to church when my attendance is casual and non-committal when I allow other things to take priority over being in the house of God I am neglecting abandoning and leaving someone alone that needed me to be there. Walking into this building every Sunday and Wednesday is not just about you. Somebody in the congregation is affected by your absence or your presence. Your presence is provoking somebody to love. Woo. Mm, what does that mean? That means you're helping somebody get closer to Jesus when you're here. Ah, you're helping somebody take another step in their journey with God when you're here. Brother Osmus, every time I see you here, my heart melts when I see your hands in the air. I'm telling you, Brother Osmus, you edify me every time I see you worship. You provoke me on the good works. Your presence is provoking someone to move into a life of change and transformation with Jesus. Your praise matters to somebody. 
Keisha, when you stepped out here today and began to worship, you provoked this atmosphere and things jumped to another level. Why? Because you said, I'm here and I'm going to praise God today. Your warm greeting is opening somebody's spirit. Brother Bob, every time I see you out there on Sunday with a smile on your face, opening up that door, you know what I see? I see Brother Blankenship provoking somebody to open up their spirit before they even walk in the door so the word can find good ground so that seed can find fertile soil your kind gesture is persuading somebody your worship is elevating somebody's faith your shout is loosing somebody's chains forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. What are you trying to say, preacher? I think I'm making it pretty plain. Come to church. You need to come to church. We cannot afford for you to stay home and be non-committal about your commitment to the house of God. I need you here. Your brother needs you here. Your sister needs you here. The family of God is relying on you. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that in order for him to be saved, in order for him to make it to heaven, he had to be born again. He said, you must be born of the water. That's baptism in Jesus' name. Is that water warm, Brother Dwight? That water's warm. If you're in here today and you have never been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ, we got warm water, we got towels, we got robes. You can be baptized in Jesus' name before you leave here today. Said Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and you must be born of the spirit. Let me tell you something. We've had 21 people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hey, you don't need any more evidence than the red letter edition. This is Jesus talking. Oh, I'm not sure if it's for me. The Holy Ghost is optional. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you must, you must, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and you must be born of the spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Hallelujah. When you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you are born into a new family. You are born into the family of God. Woo. I want you to look around today. Look around the sanctuary. Most of the people in this room right now share the same family name as you. 
because when they went down in that water they took on the name of Jesus guess what brother Luke whether you like it or not we're related we're part of the same family brother Dwight we're related brother Wed, we're related hey Brandon when God filled you with his spirit and you were baptized in his name you became my brother we're part of the same family Most of the people in this room have been washed by the same blood and filled by the same spirit. We are family. We are the family of God. Not just in word. That's not just symbolism. But that's a reality. We have been born again into a new family. That means you got a new heritage and you got a new future. That means your past is erased. Just like you sang about in that song. And you are now part of a new family tree. And you got purpose that you did not have before. So let's not forsake our family. Your brothers need you. Your sister needs you here. The scripture we read starts out by saying, let us hold fast. It means let us do, let us live out, let us prove with our actions the profession of our faith. Let's live what we say we believe without wavering. That means no excuses. That's what it means. The church must not be guilty of a great forsaking the way our world is. I know I'm stepping on some toes today, but I came aiming for them. It's not by accident. Your brother shouldn't have to wonder if he's going to see his brother at the family gathering on Sunday. Your sister should be able to count on seeing her sister at the family dinner on Sunday when the father shows up to break bread with his children. I ought to know my brother's gonna be there. I ought to know my sister's gonna be there. Gathering is not optional no matter what the government says. Hallelujah. Forsake not. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. And we beseech you, means we are pleading with you, urging you, doing our best to persuade you. We beseech you, brethren, to know. It means to have relationship, connection. We beseech you to know them which labor among you. Do you know the people in your family and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love? Do you know your brothers? Do you know your pastor? Do you know those that labor among you and watch over you? We need a restoration of love towards spiritual leadership and authority in our life. 
a restoration of love toward the people that we labor with in the family of God. Pastors, preachers, parents, elders, brothers, and sisters. Know them. Hallelujah. And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. You understand that you can help somebody when you see something wrong in their life. Say, hey, I see a red flag. I see a caution in your life, brother. Ah, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. This is why you need to be here. Because on your worst day, somebody here can lift you up. When you are weak in your mind, somebody can edify you and strengthen you. That's why I need you here. You might have the word that I need on my weekday. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. What does that mean? That means don't you judge anybody in this building. They've got to run their own race at their own pace. You make your calling an election sure. And you trust God that he is working on the inside. And you will see them grow and mature in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. We don't trade blows in this house. Woo. But ever follow that which is good, both amongst yourselves and to all men. And this is what we do. And I love this because I see so much of this even here today. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means he's going to purify you. He's going to change everything about your life inside and out. He's going to sanctify you wholly. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Did you catch that last line? Faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you. How am I going to do it? Who also will do it? He's going to do it. He's going to do the work. Why? Because he's faithful. Ah, our God is faithful. Faithfulness is who he is. Faithfulness is his nature. How's all that going to happen, Pastor? That seems like a long, long way away from me. Friend, he's going to do the work because he's faithful. Faithful is his nature. If I am born into Christ, then I need to allow the forsaking nature of this flesh to die. And I need to put on the faithfulness of God. 
Our world is suffering with an epidemic of the forsaken. But God is faithful. And the church ought not suffer from the same epidemic as the world. Let it be said of the church that they are faithful. The church should be faithful because our God is faithful. How many of you have ever made how many of you have ever felt challenged by God to be faithful? Anybody? Ever felt like God challenged you to be faithful? And then your faithfulness was challenged? Let me tell you something. When you decide to be faithful, your faithfulness will be challenged. Pastor, how am I gonna make it? Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Oh, pastor, but I got so much pain and so much tragedy and so much regret in my life. I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I don't know if I can live for God. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Pastor, I got a need that's bigger than my resource. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Hey, pastor, this transformation that you preach of, it just seems like a pipe dream. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Oh, my family's in shambles. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You don't know the problems I'm facing. You don't know the God that I serve. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Your health may be failing you, but God is faithful. You might have struggles, but God is faithful. Everything may not be perfect, but God is faithful. I remember there was a short season in my life where I was not serving or walking with the Lord. And my life was a mess. My mind was a mess. My heart was a mess. I was in pain. and I was in struggle. But I'll never forget. Not a day went by that I did not feel the Lord pulling on my heart. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15 and verse 24 says for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found hallelujah you know what that means that means whoever's not in this house that you wish was in this house he is faithful to find them rest assured God is knocking on their heart today Pastor, you don't know the battles that I'm facing. Maybe not, but this is what I do know. Deuteronomy 20 and 4 says, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. God is faithful to fight your battles. You don't have to wear yourself out. Let God fight your battles. 
But you don't know how lost they are, Pastor. For Samuel 14 and 6 says, there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. He is faithful to save. He can reach them in the depths of their despondency. There is no place where any person is outside of the reach of the arm of Jesus. He is faithful to save. Oh, but pastor, I messed up. I I made so many mistakes this week and this month and I feel so guilty and I I can't even worship. I can can barely even look in your direction when you're preaching today because I got so much guilt and condemnation. Well, rest assured, my friend, because 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He is faithful to forgive. Hallelujah. He is faithful. He is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Listen to me. God will step into your trial, your temptation, and he will provide an exit ramp to righteousness. He will make a way of escape from sin in your life. I'm convinced every time you call somebody's name in prayer and lift them up and say God save them I believe every prayer builds an exit ramp it builds a way of escape in the life of a sinner that's trying to make their way back to God God wants to show you his faithfulness and he wants his faithfulness to be shown through you. Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 7 and 8 say, Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abraham and brought us him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name of Abraham and found us his heart faithful. He found his heart faithful before thee and made a covenant with him. You know who God's looking for? He's looking for the faithful. Mm. He chose Abraham and he is choosing you. I believe with all my heart that God is choosing Greater Faith Apostolic Church to bring revival to this region. Uh, and right now in the listen, don't you, I appreciate your hand clap, uh, but you need to hear what I'm saying. God is saying, hey, I got my favor on you right now. Are you going to be faithful? Uh, can I entrust you uh, with what I want to give to you? Uh, will you be found faithful? He said he found Abraham faithful and he wanted to make a covenant with him. I feel like God is looking for a church to say, can I make a covenant with you? If I give you revival, if I give you the lost, if I give you the treasure in the field, are you going to be faithful? Showing up is the biggest part of faithfulness. 
showing up shows you care. <laughs> the most recent Gallup poll shows that churches lose on average, on the whole, this is across all denominations, 10% of their membership year over year. I declare to you that that will not be the narrative of Greater Faith Apostolic Church. That will not be our story. We will be the anomaly of the statistic. And when people talk about greater faith, they will say, I don't know why every church in this city is drying up and dying, but greater faith is growing. Greater faith is growing. Greater faith is growing. Greater faith is multiplying. Greater faith is going to be faithful and in covenant with God. Another statistic says that approximately 90% of first-time guests come back a second time if someone reaches out to them within the first 24 hours. Those that continue to come back say they come because they can feel God and because they say they recognize a void in their life. I want you to stand with me. Do you know what grows a church? Two things, the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of the people of God. If God's going to be here, then we ought to be here. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Do you know what a void is? It's a place where God has not yet formed. It's a space that only the purpose of God can fill. It's an area that can only be filled by relationship with God. It took God speaking into the void for it to be filled. I tell you what I know in the Holy Ghost today. God is trying to speak into somebody's void here today. You feel hollow. You feel empty. You've tried to fill that bottomless void with the things of earth that cannot satisfy. But the one and only faithful God, whose name is Jesus, is in this house today to speak into your void, to fill that space in your life. That you have tried to substitute other things for purpose and for meaning. God is saying, come on. I want to make covenant with you today. I want to bring you into relationship with me today. 
You don't have to live empty. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging bread. God has shined a light on some of our emptiness today. So we can recognize that our life is empty without him. Only he can fill that space. Only he can bring form to that place. And God said, and there was. He spoke in the power of his creative word immediately formed purpose and meaning in a void place. I have one last scripture to read to you this morning. It's Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. You can begin to play. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. The faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I believe the Lord is calling not only individuals, but families and this church corporately as a family into covenant with him today. That we'll be found faithful. <laughs> when I stand before God, I want him to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be found faithful. Faithfulness brings you into covenant with God. I'm going to open up these altars here today. And I'm going to invite everybody in this place to come down here as a family. Come on, nobody. If you don't want anybody to pray for you, if somebody comes pray for you, just take their hand off you. And nobody's going to assault you in this altar. But I'm inviting you to come. I'm inviting you to come up here as a family of God today. And respond to this word and say, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found faithful. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others, as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.